Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? Good to see you guys. Uh, last year, or last year, last week, was our three-year anniversary. And uh, so uh, that was amazing. And I just want to say... Thank you to Claire Briscoe for making those cookies. Those cookies that we had after service, she made 250 of them, all handmade. And so put up, put up a picture. She made those handmade. Go to the next one. Got our City Lights logo on there. Isn't that great? So thank you, Claire, for making those. They were, and they were tasty as well. So um, Now, uh, our associate pastor, Adam Lowry, who's an amazing guy, he also had a go at putting a City Lights logo on a pancake, and I want to show you what he came up with, so go ahead and... All right. Not as good, not as good as Claire's. Don't, don't quit your day job, Adam. Not, and, not, and not just because we love you and you're amazing at what you do, and we love you around here, but because that's not any good, okay. Today we're going to kick off a new series called Revive. I want to talk about how to steward the voice of God, the presence of God, and how to steward a movement of the Holy Spirit. I believe that um, a season of revival for the church is coming and in many cases is even here. I I think even now God's doing something special within our midst and in this church And I don't know what it's like for all the churches around the nation, but I believe God's doing something special here. And we want to be ready to capitalize on the movement of the Holy Spirit. The goal of this series is to kind of get us as a church in a posture of revival readiness, revival preparedness. Amen? The title of our message today is called Revival Fit. Everyone say Revival Fit. How many know that there's different types of fitness? There's different types of fitness, okay? Depending on what you're training for. Um, For example, um, go ahead and put up that picture, uh, the next one, okay? All these guys, they're all weightlifters. But not everyone who uh, lifts weights trains the same and has the same type of fitness, okay? On the left, you have the bodybuilder, okay? The bodybuilder. He's going for looks. He's going for physique, right? On the right, you have the powerlifter. This guy is just going for brute strength, okay? Just strong power lifts. And you got the guy in the middle. He's the crossfitter. He's going, going more or less for overall functionality. How many, how many crossfitters we got up in the room here? I know we got some over here. We got some crossfitters up there. Stephanie is a crossfitter. Crossfitters are not masters of any one particular lift, but they're pretty good at all of them, okay? Overall strength and endurance and functionality, they're good at like all of them, okay? So here's, here's the deal. If you want help lifting a car, you call the power lifter. You want someone to help you move, you call the crossfitter. They're going to get tonnage moved like, and they're not going to get tired, okay? You want someone to steal your girlfriend, <laughs> call the bodybuilder. It's going to take your girlfriend from you. Did you guys notice my wife got glasses recently? And uh, 
she can see you now. And I, she got her glasses, and uh, she come home, and I'm just kind of like, hey, nerd, you know, I'm making fun of her or whatever. And she puts her glasses on, and she looks at me, she goes like, ooh, like, <laughs> ooh. There are details that the last five years have, it was more smooth, you know. She can see details now. I'm like, yeah, I'm 40, and I'm getting some lines here. So, yeah, the bodybuilder is going to steal your girlfriend, okay? All right. Go ahead and put up the next picture. So, specificity, right? That's what we're talking about. Okay, both these guys are runners, okay? And these guys are the best at what they do. Uh, Kipchoge of Kenya, right now, currently, he's the world record marathon holder. Okay, Hussein Bolt, you guys all know him of Jamaica. He's the world record holder in 100-meter, 200-meter, and 4 by 100 relays. Okay, they're both runners, but they both train drastically different, right? One of them's going for VO max endurance. One of them's going for speed and power, okay? Um, I'm a runner. How I train for a 5K is much different than how I train for an ultramarathon. If I'm training for 5K, I'm doing intervals on the track. If I'm training for an ultramarathon, I'm up at elevation, putting in miles at elevation, okay? How we, how we train, what we're training for, depends on the event that we're training for. I used to wrestle in high school, and, and sometimes people would run cross-country to get in shape for wrestling, which was helpful to get in shape for wrestling, but how many of you have ever wrestled? There's no shape like wrestling shape. There's still that, that, that line between endurance and, and uh, strength that you have to have. You, don't, you can't quite get it from anything else but by wrestling, okay? Here's my point. Specificity. You have to train for the event you're doing. I believe that many Christians, they're church fit, but they're not revival fit. We're meeting fit, we're conference fit, we're organizational fit, but are we fit for a move and are we ripe for a move of the Holy Spirit? So much of what we do, especially in America, is to have good church and to have good meetings right? And to build good things and have nice systems and structures, which there's nothing wrong with systems and structures and meetings and conferences. Those are all good things. We love them. We do them. But I want to be revival fit. I want to be ready to recognize and capitalize on revival. My concern is that many times you and I are training for the wrong event. So how do we become revival fit? This is my one and only point of this entire sermon I'm just going to hammer away at this. How do we become Revival Fit? We learn to recognize and capitalize on divine moments. Recognize and capitalize on divine moments, okay? In the, the Greek language that the New Testament in your Bibles was written in, there's two words for time. There's chronos time and there's kairos time. And I want to talk about the difference between these two times, because I believe if we're going to be revival fit, we have to understand the differences between the times and the seasons that we're in. Here's Kronos. This is the, the time that we live in, okay, all of us. Uh, Strong's 5550. It means time in general, especially viewed in sequential, uh, a succession of moments, time in duration in the physical space world, sovereignly apportioned by God to each person. So this is linear, sequential time. It's time as we know it. It's time as we live in, okay? Uh, Paul in Acts chapter 13, he gives this speech at Antioch where he uses this just normal sequential time. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the scripture. It says this, 
Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people chose Israel, uh, chose of Israel, chose our fathers to, and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Verse 18. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Cana, he distributed their land to them by allotment. Okay. Okay. For a time, a period of sequential time of 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Okay. That's that chronos time that we're talking about. If I said, if I said to you, hey, I want to go to the track and I want to run a lap and I need you to time me, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a sequential, linear measurement of time. This is the type of time that you and I live in. We, we go to work in this time. We pay our bills in this time. We schedule our vacations this time. We set appointments in this time. Typically, spiritual disciplines happen within Kronos time. It's just the way we live our lives. But there is a different type of time that the Bible talks about. It's the Kairos time, okay? They are the suddenlies of God. Anyone here ever experienced a suddenly of God? All of a sudden, there's these divine moments in our lives or in the history of the world where God suddenly breaks in. Suddenly, a kairos moment happens, okay? Revivals are kairos moments. Let's look at this word kairos. It means this, time as an opportunity. Okay, it's not just sequential linear time. It's, it's seeing time as an opportunity, an opportune moment. Um, opportune time is derived from kara, meaning head, referring to things coming to a head, to take full advantage of. Kairos is the suitable time, the right moment, a favorable moment. Kairos moments are time to seize the opportunity. When God is moving, there is a time to seize the opportunity of what he's doing. And you can miss Kairos moments if you don't have the discernment to know what they are. Okay? I'll say it this way. Kairos moments are not business as usual. I, uh, and I'm not talking about being an impulsive person. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a planning guy. I'm a system guy. I'm a structural guy. I like to run the same amount of miles every week. I like to have a calendar and structure, okay? We live in that sequential linear time, but I want to recognize when there's those divine moments when God is breaking in, okay? It's not business as usual when God breaks in. Let me show you a context where Jesus used this word kairos. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15 says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Um, Okay, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. This is verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Okay, this is kairos. It's that divine opportunity. The time has come. The kingdom has come near. And there's a response. You're supposed to have a response in a kairos moment. There's, a, there's something you're supposed to do when there's a kairos moment happens, okay? Okay, it's an opportune time. It's not business as usual. How did the, the, did the people respond, the disciples? Verse 16, the very next verse. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I, will, and I will send you out to fish for people. Watch this. At once they left their nets and followed him. Okay, at once they left their nets and followed him. 
Why? Because they immediately dropped their nets to follow Jesus because they recognized that this was a Kairos moment. They immediately recognized, this is the moment I have to drop my nets, and it's time to do something else. It's not business as usual. Verse 19, the next verse. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their net. Watch this. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Why did they, they, check this out, they just left dad in the boat by himself with the hired workers. Why did they just up and leave their dad? Right? Because it was a Kairos moment. They recognized there was something special and it called for them to do something different. Okay? They saw it was a divine moment. Do you want to be revival fit? You have to learn to recognize and capitalize on these moments. Let me give you a few examples from scripture where this happened. I'll give you some examples from my life as well. Matthew 26, verses nine, uh, six through nine. This is where Jesus was anointed at Bethany. It says this, while Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. The disciples saw this and were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. The Gospel of Mark says that what she did by pouring this on his head was a, worth a year's worth of wages. A year's worth of work. It was probably an inheritance that she'd received that she was pouring on the head of Jesus. Matthew 6, uh, 26, 10 through 13. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And then he says this peculiar verse that doesn't really fit in our normal theological paradigm. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What was this woman doing? She recognized that there was a Kairos moment of having the Messiah right in front of her, and she seized the opportunity. The Gospel of Mark says, it says this, leave her alone. She did what she could. In other words, she was like, how do I worship him? How do I, how do I show affection to Jesus? What do I have that I can give to him? And who knows, maybe this was all she had. And she said, you know what? I have this costly perfume. I have this, this anointing oil that I can pour on him. She did what she could. She recognized the opportunity. And as a memorial to her, we're reading about the story 2,000 years later of this opportunity that she did. Okay. Um, where did disciples, where did they get this idea of giving to the poor? Where did they get that idea? Well, two places. Number one, they had their Bible, which was the, the, the Old Testament, which clearly states that God has a heart for the poor. From Genesis uh, to Revelation, God clearly has a heart for the poor. And here we are in Matthew 26. In the very previous chapter, Jesus is preaching on the parable of the sheep and goats, where he talks about feeding the hungry, giving to the thirsty, giving clothes to the naked, or visiting the people in prison. So Jesus had literally just talked to them about how important it was to care about the poor. And then here he is in this next chapter saying, well, the poor you're always going to have with you. Okay? Here's the point. Kairos moment, you would sell the perfume Kronos moment, I'm sorry. Kronos moment, you would sell the perfume and give it to the poor. Most of the time, that is the right thing to do. 
I, I would say probably 90% of the time, maybe more, it's the right thing to do to stop and give to the poor. We should have a heart for the poor. But check this out. When the master is in your midst, it's a Kairos moment. When the master's in your midst, all bets are off. It would have been wrong at that point for her to sell that and give it to the poor because it was meant to be wasted. And it wasn't to waste, but to many it seemed like a waste. It was to be wasted on the feet of Jesus. You know, a lot of people don't understand why we do what we do, why we live our lives for Jesus. They're like, you're wasting your life. You could be making money, having fun, doing different things. And to a lot of people, we're wasting our lives on Jesus, right? But man, I want to waste this entire 80, 90, 100 years that God gives me on the feet of Jesus, on the head of Jesus. I want to give my life to him, amen? Waste your life on Jesus, amen? All right. Does God have a heart for the poor? Yes, from Genesis to Revelation. But Jesus said there was a moment of opportunity here you didn't want to pass up. In in other words, the normal religious expectation in those times can and should be set aside when there's a God-ordained moment. Okay? It's not business as usual when these Kairos moments break in. Let me give you um, a couple personal examples from my life. I'm sure many of you have examples like this. Um, in, I, think, I believe it was 2009, my, my wife and I were recently um, on staff. We became pastors at Res Church in Loveland. And our daughter was, our daughter Trinity, our oldest, was um, a year old. And um, we were watching God TV. It's New Year's Eve. And the, the One Thing Conference was happening in Kansas City, Missouri at the same time. And they were experiencing a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we're watching this on God TV. It's New Year's Eve, and we didn't get to go to the conference. We didn't go to the conference in Kansas City, Missouri. And we're watching this, and I knew there was something special in that moment. And so it's New Year's Eve. The conference had been going a couple days. By the way, was anyone at that conference? 2000, yeah. Okay, some of you were there. Come on. In 2009, God was moving, like, powerfully. And I, I told my wife, Emily, I said, so how bad is it if I leave you on New Year's Eve get on a plane and fly out for one session of this conference. I just feel like I need to get there for one session of this conference. And she's like, go, go, go ahead and go do it. So I call up some friends who were there. I said, Hey, if I fly out today, can you pick me up at the airport? Can I stay the night with you? And can I drive home with you the next day? And they're like, yeah, cool. We'll come get you, you know? And so I pack a bag really quick. I get in my car as I'm driving to the airport, my wife's on the phone getting me a plane ticket because I knew I needed to be in that conference that day. So I get to the airport. She tells me, this is the flight I got you. I get on the plane. I fly out. For one, I went for one session. Like it was the, the last session of the evening session, which, you know, lasts a pretty long time. Spent money, went for one session. I believe there was a powerful impartation I received that night. I believe it's one of the reasons that we're leading the way we're leading because of something like that. Okay. Normally, you don't leave your wife on New Year's Eve with your baby of one year old on New Year's Eve and go, you know, leave her. But when it's a Kairos moment and you know you need to be somewhere, you do what you have to do to receive an impartation from God. Okay, God was moving. It was powerful. I'll give you another example. Um, uh, September of 1999, I'm 18 years old. 
Um, and there was a Benningham Miracle Crusade in Denver, Colorado, the Denver Coliseum. Was anyone at that meeting? Come on. You were there, Roxanne? Anyone else? You were there? September 1999, Denver Coliseum. This is such a precious memory to me. I believe, had I not been at that Friday night meeting, I don't believe I'd even be standing up here in front of you now. Okay, that's how important I believe impartation is. I believe it's, you have to do the right thing in that chronos time, that normal time. You have to do the right thing all the time, but then there's those divine moments that we shouldn't miss, okay? Many of you know what I'm talking about, but September 1999, um, they have the Thursday night meeting, and by the way, if you don't like Benny um, you know, he's not perfect. No one, none of these people are, but that man knows the Holy Spirit. That man walks with the Holy Spirit for sure. And um, Thursday night, they have a meeting, and I can't, um, I'm off work, and I go down there, and the line wraps all the way around the Denver Coliseum. I can't get in. Um, it's totally full. I couldn't get in. So I had to go home on the Thursday night meeting. The next day, I'm like, well, I guess I can't go because I had to work the next day. While I'm at work, I was a meat cutter in uh, uh, Brighton, and uh, I've come to work, and they're like, hey, it's really slow today. Um, if you want to leave early, you can. I was like, I want to leave early. <laughs> and so I immediately got in the car, drove down to Denver, to the Denver Coliseum. And again, there's a line wraps all around the building. I'm like, man, I'm not going to get in. And so I'm thinking, well, I've got nothing to lose, so I'm just going to kind of walk up to the, you know, walk up to the front of the line. (laughs) And I'm by myself. And this is, I'm kind of near the front where people are, the line's going in. And I knew if I go to the back line, there's no way I'm going to get in. And this is what I hear them saying, like, they're counting down, 79, 78, 77. This is all they're going to let in the building. And I just kind of slip. <laughs> I just slip into the line. And they're like, 78, 77. And I get into the building like, oh, my gosh, I just got in. <laughs> and because I was by myself, I got to sit pretty close to the front. And that night, he called the youth. He called the youth down the front. And um, it was so powerful I literally, it's hard to explain. I don't, how do you explain these God moments? But he has young people join hands. Join hands, young people, you know. <laughs> Satan shall not have them. I give them to you, master. You know, I remember just like it was yesterday. It was such a special moment for me. And then he just pauses and goes, fire on you, you know, fire on you kids. And I literally felt electricity shoot through my body. And kids are falling out in the spirit and this manifestation, wild manifestation of the spirit. To be honest with you, it was frightening how powerful it was. It actually was a frightening, like, whoa, this is, I knew, and I remember thinking, I know God, but I don't know God like that. Like, I know the Holy Spirit, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but man, that is like another dimension. And again, I don't even know if I'd be standing up here talking to you today had it not been for the impartation that I'd received that night. That's how important impartation is. Okay, normally the right thing to do when you're in a line full of people, the Christian thing to do is to prefer others. <laughs> right? Cutting in lines is kind of a jerk thing to do. I, I recognize that. And, and many other times and meetings and things I haven't been able to get to because I'm, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be the right Christian thing to do. But listen, when it's a Kairos moment and you know you have to get somewhere sometimes it's okay to put that thing aside and do what God's saying to do. Let me give you an example of this out of Scripture. The woman with the issue of blood, 
she pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus. Some of us are so content with what we have and we're not wanting to press through the crowd to get to Jesus. Sometimes God is looking for some effort on our behalf, pressing through the crowd. She was being the jerk. In fact, she was ceremonially, ceremonially unclean because, because of her issue of blood. She wasn't even supposed to be touching people. She's supposed to be ceremonially unclean. She pushes through the crowd to touch Jesus and the power comes out of Jesus and heals her immediately. Okay? Sometimes you got to be a little bit violent and take it by force. Amen? Okay? 99% of the time, prefer others, of course. But sometimes there's a time where you have to just get what God has for you because he has something for you that day. One, one last story, which is this. Um, when we knew God was calling us to start City Lights Church. To be honest with you, people who know me well, I, I wanted to wait a little longer. I wanted to plant a church. I had it in my heart to plant a church. And I, for, for many different reasons, I felt like we weren't quite ready or we hadn't raised enough money or this or that. I wanted to wait longer. And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying. Now is the time and Greeley is the place for you to plant this church. And we steamed forward with it. And God's grace has been sufficient. I feel like it's kind of like having kids. People are like, we'll have kids when we're ready. No one's ever ready to have kids. You have no idea the baptism with which you're about to be baptized when you have kids. <laughs> right? When we make enough money, you're never going to make enough money. But you seem, you make it happen, right? You're never ready to have kids. You just get pregnant and then you'll figure it out. You know, It's a crash course, which has been what church has been like for the last three years. We've been figuring it out as we go. Okay? felt like God said, now is the time. Greeley is the place. We didn't feel even fully ready to do this, but we knew God was leading us to do this. Okay? We live in Kronos time, but if we're going to be revival fit, we have to recognize Kairos moments and take advantage of them. I'll close with this story. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. How much money would you give to have been able to sit? What would you give up to be able to sit where Mary was sitting, sitting at the Lord's feet? Come on. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell that lazy sister of mine to get her butt up and help me with the preparations. This is what Jesus said, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Most of the time, Martha had it right. Most of the time, Martha had the right answer. But when the master's in your midst, it's a Kairos moment and all bets are off. Okay? And only one thing is needed. If we can recognize and capitalize on these moments, it'll happen. It happens worldwide. It happens nationally. It happens within a church sometimes. It happens to you individually. There's a Kairos moment for you individually. In fact, I was preparing this message today, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to remind business leaders, people in their career, 
and people um, leading their families that there are Kairos moments within your family, within your business, within your, your career. There is a Kairos moment to do certain things. If you're here at church and you sense a genuine move of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you permission as the pastor to take advantage of it. Or if you know of a move of the Holy Spirit happening somewhere else, I want to give you permission to take advantage of it. Listen, we need greeters. We need people to set out the coffee. We need ushers. We need security. We need prayer counselors. But when God is moving, take advantage. If it's a Kairos moment for you, and it might be a Kairos moment for you, and you alone that day. Maybe that's your day. Maybe today's your day to take advantage of what God is doing. Okay? I give you permission to be a little selfish in that moment and to set, a, set aside the religious expectation and the religious pat answer. Amen? And I have to say this before I close. Because we are City Light Church and we want you to be the light in your city, sometimes you become the Kairos moment for someone else. I really want us to be aware of that. When we're out in the city, when we're at our jobs, when we're at our homes, recognize that there's, there's those like, oh, I've been praying for this for a long time. Here's a Kairos moment. That family member that I've been praying for for years, oh, they're about to get saved. Oh, that person's about to get healed. Okay, be cognizant because we are the lights in the city. So, Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.